from Bossier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Welcome back to the Grouch and the Brainstorm. My name is Mike, and I'm here today with some fellow grouches and brainstorms and we're gonna um we're gonna have some good mostly stuff. mostly grouches mostly grouches yeah we got some good stuff going tonight though so uh i got ben here say hi ben what's up i got hayden here hey how's it going all right so i think the last time we met it was us four and we were doing hayden's story so uh but tonight we're doing an episode this is episode number 12 mm-hmm. episode number 12 and, uh, and before I get to rolling on episode number 12, I want to talk a little bit about episode number 11. I got to make sure. Am I getting that right? Is that right? Yeah, that's right what now. you wrote on the board. And um, for our listeners out there, I'm actually recording this video so that I can upload it to our YouTube channel that I've been working on for a while just so everyone can see how the recording is done and where it's done and all the other great stuff that goes along with that. But, um, you know, I had someone message me about the uh, spirituality and or not i'm sorry the sober and in recovery topic that we had uh, what uh, episode ago i believe it was sure. a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. so amy c down in lacombe louisiana which um member of the mandeville group down there that i attended for a long time you know she she sent me a message and it says that her thought process goes along with this on that subject recovery is simply the willingness to continue to grow spiritually if you're not doing that, maybe you're just sober. Hmm. That's really good. That is. I like that. And, and you know, that goes off into the whole uh, growing spiritually throughout your recovery in order to maintain recovery, in order to keep staying in recovery and not just be sober. And I think the topic you want to talk about today ties in with that really well. Yeah, that's why I went ahead and brought it up. That and anybody that sends me a message, an email, a voicemail, we're going to discuss that at the very beginning of it so that it can can be discussed between whoever's here, you know, on the cast. Um, sitting out tonight is Jill. She is in... She's in the ocean somewhere. Uh, Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, somewhere like that. Somewhere, Alabama. Somewhere. Living the dream. Living the dream. She's got the... Uh, you know, flip flop thing going on in, in the sand. Um, and Jen's sitting out tonight. She's at work. So it's just us guys, just us guys here tonight talking about recovery. Um, and I'm going to give out the information again at the end of the podcast, but there is an email address. There is a uh, cell phone that you can call, leave a voicemail. And also, if you want to look me up on the, uh, we have an Instagram page. Grouch and the Brainstorm on Instagram. And then my name is Mike Walston Jr. You can look me up and send me a message as well. Anything you want to talk about. Tonight we're going to talk about inventory. Okay, now, I understand it ties in with the fourth step. And I'll probably read a little bit of stuff out of the book here in a minute. But the the this is one that's kind of near and dear to me because uh, I came into the program several years ago. And... This confused me. The inventory just confused me, guys. I, I and why I've been in retail since I was 15 years old. I'm 50. I've had two jobs, so multi years in both. And we take inventory once a year at my current job. Matter of fact, I take inventory next Wednesday at my current job. <laughs> it's annually, and then we take inventory at, at the one I was at before every three months. So four times a year, quarterly, we would take an inventory. So the inventory itself should not have confused me, but it did. I was I was just teetotally confused about inventory and what I was supposed to do. And if someone maybe, maybe not, I mean, it's hard to remember all the way back then, but if someone would have simplified just the inventory, just this is what we're doing. And the book actually does. The book does it so simply that I couldn't get it, right? And it tells us any business that doesn't take inventory is, you know, bound to go broke, you know, I'd imagine any human that doesn't take inventory spiritually may head in that direction as well. Um, and a lot of that also leads to financially and morally and the whole the whole gamut that spirituality covers. So uh, I want to talk about the inventory, what it means to you. You know, I don't you if you want to dive off into your four step, that is great. When we do actually talk about the four step on next week's episode, I want to I want to dive off into the fact that uh, when we look at the four step. And we think about the fourth step. A lot of times, all that is discussed is our resentment list and that dreaded fourth column, you know. And Jane, uh, Jane 
R that comes to some of the meetings that I go to here, you know, she asked me, she said, when you do finally talk about it, tell them just to do it. Tell them just yep. to do it. So that's exactly what I do. I want, I want, you know, I want to simplify it down to the point of just an inventory and what an inventory means to, to us, you know, and what it was like when we had to take our inventory. And then we'll dive off into maybe. So we're going to talk about the physical part of it. How about that? The actual stuff. And then we'll dive off into the spiritual side of the inventory later. And I'll say this one thing, and I'm going to go off. I'll let you guys start talking, but... If I had to take an inventory of Matt, so much easier than taking an inventory of my I might not even be confused. I could probably list Matt's character defects. We could swap, dude. I didn't even think about that. You know, that'd be a lot easier for both of us. <laughs> well, I could probably take probably everybody's work, though. Yeah. <laughs> and then I come up with your character defects. And right. when, I, when I go off into those other steps. I have them removed, you know what I mean? Or I get to work on them anyway. So, uh, Ben, what do you think about inventory, man? I don't know. When we're talking about inventory, are we talking about the inventory we did on the four step or like we yeah. talk about? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about it in like an AA term. So the inventory we did on a four step or the in- inventory you still do on a tenth step. Yeah, the, uh, that's what, what I was really thinking about was my tenth step. Uh, and it's it's not – as in-depth as I would look at a four-step inventory. It's just looking back on the day, making sure if I did something bad or mal or treated somebody the wrong way, I needed to atone for that, uh, go back and make an amends. But also reminding myself of that if I did anything good, yeah, I did something good, but that I just made it through the day and I didn't drink. Like, that inventory list really doesn't have to have anything on there. Yeah, we're supposed to try and help another alcoholic and all these other things, but as long as I make it through the end of the day, I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't do anything crazy or off the wall and didn't drink. It was a great day. Mm. I was in the I was in the uh well, let me ask you this, coming in the here and starting in the program and both you guys are over a year now from doing a four step to um I guess what I'm trying to say is it's scary as it can be initially because I know we were all there. That's the craziest thing ever. And most people balk when they get to four, you know. Um, but now taking your inventory a year into it, over a year into it, you I know I look at myself. I'm always going, wait, am I falling back? You know, like now I want to do it, yeah. but I didn't want to do it at first. I mean, is it easier today oh, it's, for y'all? It's, leagues different <laughs> easier than it was the first time the first time that was the longest hardest part of my 12 step Panic first year sure. yeah it was it was sitting down first off trying actually thinking and about those things all that stuff we have to go through on our inventory and then getting it on paper took a lot longer than mm-hmm. i thought it was going because going into it i was like the whole concept of everything is like, yeah, man, I just got to sit down, write everything on a piece of paper. And then as soon as I pulled out that sheet of paper and the first time that pen went toward it, it's like that scene in Liar, Liar where he's trying to write the pen is right, blue. Right, right. Yeah. And it just, it, I, I could, I, it took me about a week to start writing the first sentence on that piece of paper. I went way longer than that, dude. <laughs> so when you think about inventory, what do you think about? my uh interactions with people because that's where i've struggled mostly with my recovery is it's all based on my relationships with people okay that's what led me to a lot of drinking and everything was trying to change who i am so i could better so i could fit into everybody's life like i thought i needed to like i needed to i needed to do something so somebody could have have me in their life people pleasing yeah Mm. basically yeah so you kind of have a collection of thoughts on how you may have pleased people or may have some of your actions may have been to win someone over. Oh, yeah. Everything I did up until like 14 months ago was to please somebody. Was And I, that's, and I still feel like I, I, one, of my, one of the main reasons I'm here on this planet is to help people. But now I've found a better way to do that that's not self-harming and doesn't lead me down a 
path of self-harm. So, so kind of like Amy said in her message to us, you know, that you continue to grow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Using an inventory, or that's part of it, you know, yeah. using an inventory to continue to yeah. grow spiritually. And I'm going to let Hayden tell his, but I think with four and the inventory, it's a really good start. But I think, now you guys are younger, but when I did mine, I was 38. I had a lot of water under the bridge, you know, okay. and I and I didn't get everything just down perfect, but I got the big ones. And even to this day, occasionally me and sponsor will, hey, you got this character defect. Well, let's work on that, you know, and that's great. And I'm I'm really open and open to listening to that today. Because I know it's made me better, and I see the difference. I know how I feel. It's so much better. And so if I can identify that and work on it, man, that's awesome, you know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it can be, uh, it can be a little nerve-wracking to, to look in the mirror, you know, and really look in the mirror. So, mm -hmm. but I, and, and I was one of those, too, when I was in treatment. I've said this before. I read the – they had the 12 steps on the wall, yeah. and I read them all, and I was like, oh, I'll just skip that part. I don't even really – I mean, I'm perfect. You know, how could I have a character defect? I found out I did later on. <laughs> but anyway, what about you, Hayden? Um, man, so for the longest time, I'm just like Mike, you know. Uh, I had no idea that an inventory of my life uh, would benefit me in any way. I didn't understand what it was whenever I got into the program. And, um, you know, for so many years, I was absolutely delusional. I mean, I just, I could never see my part in any of my problems. And I truly needed someone else to show me how to go about this process. And today, you know, uh, my inventory is a bit different because it's not so much, um, you know, I don't have a lot of fear behind why I do it because like you said now that I've done it I know that it works and I want to keep doing what works for me um you know and as as far as the spiritual nature of the inventory it's like whenever I think about all of these little sayings that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous it's like uh you know if you want self-esteem you have to do esteemable things and well now I know what to do whenever I'm feeling out of whack. I know how to look at myself and that's something I've never been able to do. Um, you know, the inventory process for me today is exactly what the big book tells me to do whenever right. it says when we retire at night. Um, you know, and there's, there's certain things that I add to that, you know, it's like, I, I have to make sure that I give my boss a good day's work. I have to make sure that, um, you know, all of these, living amends that I have, I have to continuously work them. You know, it's very easy for me to, um, to take a resentment back. You know, there's certain people in my life that, uh, you know, they can get to me much quicker than anyone else. And I show them a lot less grace than anyone else on this planet. And that's something I absolutely have to uh, keep in check because that will remove any bit of peace and serenity that I have in my life. Uh, you know, and I mean, it's really like two people that absolutely can get under my skin faster than anyone else. And, you know, I just have to practice what the program teaches me, love and tolerance for people. Um, you know, and like I said, my, my inventory is, is exactly like it is out of the big book. You know, I have to, to make sure that, um, you know, I wasn't selfish, self-seeking, uh, dishonest or anything throughout the day. And whenever I had, and not only that, it's like, I don't, I don't do it solely at night. You know, sometimes these things need to be addressed whenever they happen. And, uh, every once in a while I have to take a step back from a situation because if I've wronged someone and I'm embarrassed, then sometimes that, that translates into like this false anger towards that person. Yeah. And, uh, I have no, I, I have no, um, nothing good to add to that situation at that point. And I just have to back away and make it right whenever I can. But, um, today it, it looks a lot different than it used to be. I, I, I know a bit more about myself and I would like to continue learning. Um, but yeah, man, I, I definitely, I was lost whenever I got here. I had no idea how to look in the mirror and honestly look at who I was 
and I had no vision of who I could be like in this life today. I mean, I just, I had no vision of that at all. Um, you know, I, I was sitting down with a sponsee the other day and we were doing some step work and after it was all said and done, I just, I was sitting in my car for a few minutes and I was like, man, there's no way that I would have ever imagined my life being the way that it is today. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared to death to lose what I got. So today I'm just going to continue to do those things. And, you know, it, it's also a lot of guidance from a sponsor, you know, a lot of, um, um, going back to the step work that I've already done. You know, I know tonight's not necessarily on the fourth step, but I, I refer back to it frequently because whenever I, because, you know, I, I just did a fourth step, um, I don't know. It, it hasn't been very long. I haven't been sober very long. But, uh, you know, all of those things that were addressed at that time still are in my life today. Mm-hmm. It's just they're not running rampant through my life to the point to where I'm adding all of this bull crap all of the time. And, you know, I just... They're I could, manageable. Right. I never, I, I never understood the concept of like, okay, we have a lot of bull crap in our life today. <laughs> And once we stop adding bullcrap at a rapid rate, at a rapid rate, we can start addressing it the stuff easier. that's already done. You know, like uh, I just I've I've never thought in that way. I yeah. just I I knew that I was hopeless and there was just nothing to be done about it. So you know, screw it. Why not? Just absolutely, I was running rampant. You know, I think what helped me too is I came in that. Alcoholics Anonymous and I start sitting in the rooms and I mean yeah I went to treatment but it doesn't you know you're not really at a level of recovery of any level at that time you know people are just trying to get on their feet and but I got in the the group and then people are just so open about their defects and stuff and I'm going are y'all hearing this I'm looking around like did y'all hear what that guy just said you know and I realized it's cool everybody in here has issues and I went okay and it kind of it kind of made it a little easier for me to go, okay, well, maybe I need to look, take a look at this. If this guy can do it, you know, and, and, uh, that was a big deal for me just getting in there. And I will tell you a funny story right quick. Let's hear it early in recovery. This is a four step story early in recovery. Not going to say the guy's name, no information. None of y'all know him, but y'all do know his sponsor. He, me and him were tight. We were both early in recovery. We both worked together at the same company. He's doing his four step. I just got through with mine. Okay. Sponsors up his ass about, you need to give me that list. He's sweating it out. He rolls up to me one day. Hey man, I need to talk to you. I was like, what's up? He's like, you done your four step? I said, yeah, I've done four and five. What'd you do it on a piece of paper? (laughs) (laughs) This is true story. I went, yeah. And he goes, can I, can I look at it? And I went, no. (laughs) And he goes, I just want to look at it, man, because he's on my boat about doing this, and uh, I want to just see what I'm supposed to be putting down. And I was like, dude, what if I wrote I robbed a bank? Are you gonna you just going to copy my paper like we're in school, you know? Oh, he was so it? mad at me. I'm like, dude, dude, you can't just copy my paper, you know? So, should have let him, man. <laughs> I, I should have made a false list of things, you know, and and uh, really bad stuff. He's still around? Oh, yeah. yeah still he's, sober? Yeah. He's, he, he got through it, well, man. Good thing you didn't let him cheat. It, yeah, he's my partner. We'll have him on here one day, and I may bring that up and uh, just put him on the spot with it because he'll get a kick out of it. But, yeah, I didn't let him cheat. I don't think the first time you told me that story, you said rob a bank. Well, I'm you cleaning a little it up. Bit more graphic. It involved, <laughs> it involved uh, that fourth column with some farm animals. That's all I'm gonna say. But uh, yeah, but anyway, that's exactly what I told him. And uh, but yeah, that, that's lovely. You know, yeah, it's probably best you didn't mention his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I left that part out. So, but. <laughs> He'll uh, he may be on here one day. And he everyone to be googling AA dot farm animal. Well, this guy, you know, if you knew him, it, it wouldn't be far fetched to find <laughs> right. out that's on his list. So, but um. <laughs> okay. Oh man, you know the inventory process is, uh, I think the the most important part of it. And this is just you know for me, I, I get these guys. Um, I get these guys. People ask me to work with them, you know, and do the steps with them. And, and we'll get into a room because I always, I always, you know, make sure it's just me and them. And there's really no phone. 
you know, we have our phones, but generally I like them to stay off of their phones, right? And we get in there and we start talking about, we start reading the big book. You know, we start on page. I usually start with the doctor's opinion. Sometimes we'll do the forwards, but mostly we start with the doctor's opinion and we read through, you know, and we read the first 44 pages or so and, and we talk about, are you an alcoholic, right? You know, this is what the book has said. These are some great examples. Do you think you're an alcoholic? Most of the time they say, yeah. You know, if they don't say no, I, you know, it's up to them. It's their recovery. But we get to a few pages down the line, we get to three. I mean, two, I'm sorry. We get to two, and we talk about, you know, are you now willing, do you now, or are you willing to believe in a power greater than yourself? They say yes or no or whatever it is, and, you know, and then we get to three, you know, and we say the third step prayer together, and we talk about our commitment to do the steps so that we can get closer to God and learn how to turn our power, will, and life over to God. And then, But then we immediately, during that third step meeting, we I outline the program of the fourth step of the inventory as it says in the big book you know and we got our three columns three i said three <laughs> that's my the way i do it with my guys but we got our three columns and then there's other inventories that need to be taken right there's a fear inventory a big book also calls one of them you know a sex inventory it's really a conduct inventory and a relationship inventory but there's 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 different things that have to be done and that's where it slows down drastically. You know, we've, we've been doing a step a week or we've been doing a step every two weeks. And then all of a sudden we get to this and boom, we have, we've hit a brick wall. And they, you know, I, I think the most important part of this is where I was going with all that is do it. Take yeah, an inventory, yeah, yeah. right? Just take it. Take that inventory. Spend that time. You know, if procrastination is one of your character defects, <laughs> you're you're in for a treat. So, side question: All y'all sitting here, tell the truth. When you got your four step with your sponsor, to you, you know, five, you're you're done with that and you're moving on. Total amount of elapsed time. Did you procrastinate? Uh, oh, yeah. for for me, I mean, just ballpark. Go ahead, man. I uh well uh so for me I would say total elapsed time two months uh from the time that I asked him to be my sponsor until uh we sat knee to knee and completed completed fifth so yes. two months but that was one two three four five yeah I got you yeah and I'll, I got so, you smoked on that deal <laughs> so, I drug it out man well I'll tell I you know what. you did the, uh, <laughs> a lot of crap. You know, <laughs> so so for me, um, exactly how Mike just explained going through the steps, that's how my first sponsor uh, was getting me through the steps. You know, we sat down. He um, qualified me, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, seeing if I was an alcoholic in the first place. We did steps one, two and three just like that, you know, and then immediately after we did the third step prayer, you know, he, we sat down. He told me to bring a notebook with me. Uh, whenever we sat down and uh, he outlined me doing the fourth step. And that's exactly what, exactly what I did with my guys as well. Um, just because that's the way it was shown to me. And I'll tell you what, if it hadn't been done in that way, I knew how absolutely miserable I was starting out. You know, uh, I was in a place of absolute despair whenever I got in the program. And the only time that ever had like the the pink cloud or whatever you want to call it uh pink pony um yeah i went in that meeting last night oh uh, y'all missed it but there, anyways there was a new guy he said the pink pony whatever y'all talk about i don't know but um the pink pony so <laughs> but you know the only the only time i got to saddle up on that pink pony was uh whenever i first got into sober living and uh I felt safe there. I hadn't felt safe yeah. anywhere in such a long time. You know, I was incarcerated for two years. And then uh, whenever I got out, I immediately went straight into the depths of my addiction. And, uh, you know, I, I got in the program very quickly after that. But, uh, yeah, I hadn't felt safe in a long time. I was cool for about two days. And if he hadn't got me through the steps as fast as he did, I don't know if I would have made it, man. Yeah, I like that, though. I like that. I think just four and five that 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 part with me was probably three plus months yeah one step with two steps you know basically i'm gonna say a month 
I drove. I drove. I drove. Yeah, it took me. I think about a month, and the fifth step was like done within that hour that we meet. But yeah, I mean, I finally was told whatever you have written down, you just bring it, and we're gonna go through it. I think my second fourth step took longer than than my first fourth step, to be quite honest with you. And it was a decade later. So, how many times have you been through the steps? Just with me and a sponsor twice. Okay. Twice in 12 years. Yeah. Gotcha. Hmm. Probably, I mean, I'm I'm not ever going to suggest that. You know, that's completely dependent on someone's serenity. I had, um, my original sponsor had passed away and, you know, took everything I told him to the grave. That in itself gives you a little bit of uh, kind of uh, loss of accountability you know mm-hmm. me anyway i can't speak for anybody else but then then my second sponsor comes along and immediately you know he picked me up really you know basically you know hey i know your sponsor died here's what what you need to do and i grabbed on to him we never did the steps together we never sat down and did the steps and then i moved i made a geographical change and i went to new orleans and when i moved down to new orleans uh, there was really very little sponsor i was kind of sponsoring myself for about six months and I said, I need to get another sponsor. And when I got this third sponsor, um, well, I mean, the first thing he said was, you need to go back to the steps. We need to take you back to the steps. It's been, you know, too long. And I was like, okay, well, let's go back to the steps. And and that's whenever I went back through the steps with him. And we met once a week, usually on Friday evening at the clubhouse and uh, worked back through the steps. But um, And then I moved back up here from New Orleans and, of course, picked up another sponsor closer to me and uh, and we haven't really worked through the steps uh the way we work together is he more or less you know you describe a situation or tell him the truth try to be as honest with him as you can and he says you know what step are we really looking at here you know are we looking at step six are we looking at step four do you need to write something down you know you know the answer already that's kind of how bobby and i do and have done and it's more like on a as needed basis but I would still like to go through, through them again. You know, been kind of thinking on that. Yeah. Uh, with five years, it just I think I don't. Know, it's I think not gonna you hurt need anything. to. Thanks, man. I mean, just just a little no, personal I, in look into your life. The last few months that I've seen you going through a bunch of shit, I, yeah, I think it'd be yeah. good for you. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, there's been a lot happening in the last five years since I've done the or four year, four and a half years since I've done them, and uh, yeah. you know. Do you have more than three people upset with you <laughs> today? <laughs> today in this room. Uh, when was the last yeah, time you in had this me? room? I don't even think I could carry the boat in the room right now. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, man. You know, definitely. my my rule has always been: if I have more than three people mad at me, then it's probably time for me to sit down and start writing something. I don't know if anybody's well. There's some character there's defect. A you know, there's been times where you know, my wife. My, I'm sorry, my ex-wife, my daughter, and then some other friend all mad at me or upset with me about something. And I, I'm, I've just been around too long to know that many people can't be upset with you unless that's, there's some blaring character wise. defect yeah. that's causing that, you know. So I look at it like that. And same with work. You know, if there are more than three people, even though that, you know, I do supervise and I supervise quite a lot of people. But if there are more than three people upset with me, I pers- I take a personal inventory. I sit down and say, "See, yeah, what am I doing wrong?" I have to do that too. You know, I had a guy yesterday. It's real hot. My business we're in, we work outside, and I got a lot of guys that, you know, and they're grumbling right now. It's hot, and they're with bad attitudes, and they're overworked, and we don't have enough guys. And one of them came in. He's like, "I just can't do this all summer." And so I sat there with him, and I was like, "Hey, man." It was two or three of them when we sat in the office yesterday afternoon. And I said, look, dude, you you got to, this is a, and I didn't go AA on them or any of that stuff, but I said, you know, you got to every day reboot, man. When you get up in the morning, whatever was there the day before, you know, just let it go. It's done. And just concentrate on that that day. You're, you're looking at the whole summer and you're inventing, you know, all the stuff we talk about. So he came in today when he came in, he goes, hey, man. I'm just going to tell you, I actually tried that this morning. I feel better, man. I'm, I really do. Like, that helped me. I just, and I was like, yeah, I mean, you have to, man, or you'll drive yourself crazy, you know? So, but, yeah, it's weird being work-wise and applying that. But you have, I mean, I have to. I have yeah. to apply character defects, you know? Yeah. So, 
And have, character defects, I mean, that the people that I'm around the most are going to see them more than me. Have you ever made amends with a employee? Oh, absolutely. I have to. Yeah, yep. absolutely. You yep. know, I mean, I didn't tell them, you know, hey, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I really need to make amends with you. What I did is call somebody in the office and say I was wrong. Yeah, that's, yep. And I remember one particular situation where I didn't do anything at all. And that employee came back later and said, you know, you didn't do anything. I was expecting for you to do something. And I said, you know, if I would have said anything or done anything at that time, I may not have been able to take it back. Mm-hmm. You know, and now my head is cleared and, and we can discuss what we were discussing. So, you know, in that situation, you know, I wasn't taking anybody's inventory. I was allowing that pause to take effect. To let the moment pass. Yeah. Before yeah. something was said, but you know, you lose a lifelong friend like that. Just because today they are employed under me doesn't mean that tomorrow they may not be in a room of AA needing help. And um, and my obligation to help people still stands regardless of my feelings for them. Principles well, before personality. Absolutely, believe. man. We're, Isn't that one of our traditions? It's a, uh, and that's a, uh, you know, that's what's funny is you you deal with stuff like that with with a lot of employee type stuff and try to live the way that we live and it's funny how many of them that that particular guy the first guy that i ever had to do that with was a few years ago he works with me now but he worked with me at another company and i went up to him and i said man i was out of line dude i popped off i was out of line and he just sat there looking at me and i was like that that's my bad i shouldn't have done it and i you know and i explained the situation i said it won't happen again you know and uh he came up to me the next day and he goes i've never ever ever had a boss come up to me and say i'm sorry that's my bad he's like that was the coolest thing ever i didn't know what to say i said i was in the wrong man period and we're still tight you know and and uh but it makes you feel good when you when you can do that too and go hey man you know a little humility we all we all you know well i'm glad you bring up humility because even though our seventh step basically you know that whole month of uh, july which we're in now by the way we talk about humility and it comes up all the time and, and you know we we try to look at it and analyze it and talk about it until around the 20th where we're just sick of talking about it and somebody actually picks a damn topic in a meeting but um humility is probably a lot for me anyway is in that inventory is where i started mm-hmm. to gain humility because it's easy for me to take an inventory of who's wronged me you know, and by, by inventory, I mean just a list of who's wrong me, right? And this is who's done this, and this is done who, with this is what they did. This is how it affects me, and blah, blah, blah. But whenever I have to actually take an inventory, I have to look at me. You know, what was my part in it? And there's where the humility for me comes in, you know. so And there's a little bit of humility in every step, but I think that that humility really shows itself. It showed itself to me. And the thing about humility is the more I practice it, the less I feel I need it. And situations that used to cause me grief for weeks, if not months or years, can be taken away in hours or minutes just because the simple fact I can say I was wrong I I was wrong you know and that's when we get into the fourth step (laughs) that's where we get into okay I was wrong now what do I do about it Mm -hmm. because (laughs) nothing's happening just because I said I was wrong I'm still wrong sucks now I got to do something about it exactly more humility it's like if you made a drink and you put like two parts humility, now you have to add humility as a mixer <laughs> and then, you know, splash it with a little humility. That's right. <laughs> no. Well, and it, um, yeah, and I mean, I think that's, that it goes back to what I said earlier too, though, when you you come into an AA group and everybody out there, man, I you know, I strongly encourage you, wherever you're at, you know, find a group, find your people. And, uh, you know, I was very lucky. I didn't have to look very far, and I God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, and I walked in the right place, and I've been there ever since. But um, it's it's examples that I've seen, and not just with my sponsor, but with a lot of the people in those rooms and and showing that, and they, and they act on it. And I go, ooh, man, like 
I was thinking something different here. My reaction would not have been humility in this situation. And even today, man, I'm, I'm around just different people and something happens and I go, Ooh, I kind of get that little burn. Like, yeah, you need to tighten up, dude. You shouldn't act like that, you know, or think that way or whatever. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty grateful to. So Hayden, when you, let's say you take an inventory, like a, a on paper, you know, that takes me to another whole nother subject, but the big book does talk about doing this on paper. You know, right. we put mm-hmm. pen to paper. You know, it doesn't say iPad to, you know, Apple Pencil. <laughs> doesn't say key it in on a spreadsheet. It says we put pen to paper, okay? Um, when you do that, what do you do with that data? Um, so if there are amends to be made, then I have to do that. I have to put the action behind uh, listing the inventory in the first place because without it, it means nothing. I mean, it just does. I, I mean, it is great that I'm able to take a look at myself and uh, see what behaviors I'm displaying nowadays. But if I don't do anything with the information that I'm gathering, then it just stays on the piece of paper. Um, you know, and every once in a while, I'll still need guidance with uh, certain things. You know, I'll have to get a second opinion because my my thinking is still messed up. And another thing that I've been very guilty of that I don't think we've talked about today is, um, you know, in my reflection of what I've done, I will beat the crap out of myself to the point to where every little thing that I do is under the microscope. And then it makes me a nervous wreck whenever I'm dealing with people, especially early on. That's really not the case today, but um, one of the things that really just hit home for me one of my buddies said one time he was like man you gotta stop taking yourself in the world so serious because it um it got to the point to where man i just i'd stop talking to people because i didn't want to do the wrong thing or uh you know i would take one thing that uh this is just a a story whenever i first got sober uh i worked at sonic and uh, I was a car hop there, and I was making like $9 an hour, struggling bad. Did you wear the rollerblades? Don't you, uh, leave me alone. Did you have your Hoochie <laughs> Daddy shorts on? I did he have did, my bro. Hoochie Daddy did. on. I'll tell you what, the old ladies tipped me really well. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah. so uh, I'm living the dream. I'm busting tail to work. <laughs> We're definitely going to get some calls on the table. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so I, I hop on my Huffy, and I'm, I'm hitting it. You know, uh, I woke up late that, that morning. And whenever I get to work, I get in the bathroom and everything. After I'd already started my shift, I get in the bathroom and I call my sponsor and I'm in a tizzy, dude. I'm I'm just losing my mind. And I was like, man, I was like, dude, my day is screwed. I didn't even pray this morning. Hmm. And he just like, he was real quiet and he was like, are you done? And I was like, yeah. He was like, man, you know, I know a little bit about you at this point. And uh, he was like, if the worst thing you got going on today is you didn't pray before man. you got to work. He's like, you're doing all right. And he hung up on me. And, yeah. you know, it's like that's that's where my mind goes a lot of the time. Or not not necessarily today, but starting out. So, uh, you know, and the big book addresses this. And it tells us not to um, – I'm not very good at quoting things out of the big book, but it says okay. not not to uh, uh, go into morbid reflection of your day. That's exactly what it says. Right. And uh, so, I mean, that's something that was really important for me to grasp early on. And like I said, I mean, I read – uh, upon awakening and when we retire at night so many times, but it just took that one phrase. My buddies just said, stop taking yourself and the world so seriously. And, you know, it kind of, it, it freed me up a little bit. And that just goes along with how this program works. You know, I had no idea how to inventory myself and I still need help from my fellows every once in a while. And like me, I was real good at forgiving other people and just letting stuff go. But then I beat myself to death. Right. And, People, my sponsor was like, why do you treat yourself different than you? Why are you beating yourself to death? You don't do that when other people, you know? And I was like, oh, I don't know. So uh, Hayden said something really important just then. Get some help. Get some yeah. help doing this fourth step, man. We don't have to do anything in this program alone. That's it. There is somebody for something, mainly our sponsor. I, you know, obviously the suggested route would be, you know, get with a sponsor on it, but... Yeah, have some help. Doesn't Always it, is have it, some help. Isn't the first word in the first step, we? It is. So. It is, we. So, 
um, and I think that uh, all of them, though, we could do, you know, together as a group. I, I don't know how anybody else works with their sponsees, but I do it, you know, the way Dale worked with me all them years ago is, you know, sit down at a table with a big book. With us, it was just a big book. Um, pen, paper, possibly a highlighter. But we just read when it, we're supposed to read. And we pray when it says to pray, and we write when it says to write. Right. You know, and, and that's it, especially for the initial one. You know, now if I'm going back through the steps with someone who's already done them, you know, we may stop and talk a little bit about our experience and stuff like that. But, and that's, that's what big book studies are really good for. And stuff like this, that's what big book studies are for. You know, if you get in there and, and you just happen to be on this part of the big book, man, if you got a new guy you're working with or a lady or, you know, anybody you're working with get them up there during this part get some feedback from around the room but you know i just again it's self-sufficiency i wanted to figure it out on my own and i couldn't man i was watching youtube videos it's right here in the big book like it's literally so simple i mean i was so jacked up i was going home when i got out of treatment and i know everybody's like oh i was watching recovery stuff i was watching is aa a cult that's what i was watching every night because i was like something's wrong I, all I was doing was looking for a reason not to be there, you know, and be like, this doesn't work. I swear to you. And people are like, oh, yeah, they make you pray in there, you know, and I'm like, well, that's not that bad. And I'm reading it. And I'm like, well, they don't take your money or anything. Like, you don't have to give them money or drink any weird Kool Aid or wear weird outfits. Or, and I was like, okay, it's not a cold. I guess Matt, I got to keep going. You're still weird. Cause yeah. I, I know you I like still fall asleep weird, to like Nazi documentaries and yeah, Hitler. Yep. <laughs> Hitler. You know, I uh, I was waiting around until uh, I, I could figure out which position we made money at. You know, I was like, you know, I'm just yeah. trying to figure that out. Uh, and you know, so none of them. <laughs> hey, uh, if you think that you're going to make money in a position, just keep coming back. But uh, so something that Jane said about just do it. I, I'm going to brag on one of my sponsors real quick, and this is kind of funny. Uh, so. We sat down, we did steps one, two, and three. He had to go, so uh, I told him I'd line him out on the fourth step whenever we saw each other, and he calls me uh, the next day, and uh, he's like, hey, man, early, early in the morning, but he knew I was working. He was like, hey, man, you want to go get breakfast real quick? I was like, sure. So we go, we get some breakfast, and uh, I line him out on this fourth step, and by like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, he messages me, and he's like, all right, I'm done. Wow. <laughs> Hold on. World record. How, so how check, long was this? It, this was from like 9 a.m. to, I mean, in just a few hours. Five right? hours. Something. Right. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so he's like, I'm done. I'm like, are you sure? And then he sends me this video of all of these. I mean, just he did it absolutely like it says out of the book. And I mean, it's just page after page. Wow. After page. And I was like, dang. Dude. He really did. Yeah. He's like, I want to be well now. <laughs> wow. You know what? <clears throat> That's pretty That's awful. actually impressive. Yeah, yeah that is it impressive. Was, it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, we, we, we did that fifth step. And I have the opposite. So my sponsors, when I give them the four list, I never hear from them again. I've had, no. <laughs> That's what. And, they, and you hear that a lot in AA. It's one, Man. two, three three gone one two three gone and right. man that is where we lose a lot of momentum i yeah. mean you, you knock out step one and people are like all right 11 more you knock out step two okay 10 more you knock out step three okay and but you have to stop to start doing the work and yeah. we just lose so much momentum and i think that's where just do it just do that inventory you know this this sponsee you were working with or guy you were working with he can move on he can feel that relief as fast as he wants to this is their program you and know. you and you know you leave something off of there you can always go back you can go back man and go hey i didn't i didn't think of, i had some of that stuff and um but it was like, let's get this over with. Let's get the majority of this over with and move down the road a little bit. And um, yeah, you know. it says it says a thorough inventory. It doesn't say a perfect inventory. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to get it right the first time. You just got to get everything that you can. Your freshly sober mind can get out of your head and onto that piece of paper. Right. And you have to remember now. We're talking about um, me. I was talking about stuff from before I even was really a drinker. You know. Oh yeah. So I mean, we're talking about going back, 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 back. I think Bobby told me he said you're 38 years old, so you should have two for each column 
for every year you've been alive. So think about that a minute. You yeah. got sober at 38? Yep. I got sober yep. at 38. Yeah, I know. My, 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 my man over there, that's a good age to do it, you know. Well, if you, you, Unless I did it at 20, <laughs> it would have been <laughs> better. But <laughs> If you look around, a lot of a lot of folks got sober in the narrow around 37, 38. If I'm not mistaken, Randy T, I think, was about 37, 38. Okay. You know, uh, Phil F was um, 29. I thought I was 28. He don't never know how old he is, dude. Every time I ask that dude, he does not know. How, no, how old are you? And me and him have the same belly button birthday, and yeah. he still don't know how old he is. Kind of hard to take inventory when you yeah. don't have a timeline. Ben's like, I'm, I'm in the 20s. I just go as far back as I can remember. That's just how I, and you know, how I started. Yeah. Something that Ben was saying, uh, it it is really important, and it's not a perfect inventory. Uh, and, you know, the way that the big book puts it, after we've done our fifth step, we need to review the process that we've been through already. Mm -hmm. And I just tell my guys while they're reviewing these things, if there is an idea that pops up into your head, just write it down, dude, mm -hmm. because the thing that pops up into your head and then you decide you don't <laughs> want to talk about, you know, I know how that is for me. It's like the things that I want to hold on to are the ones that affect me the most. And, you know, so, I mean, I just, I walk them straight through the big book exactly the way that the big book says to work the steps. and uh, Can't go wrong like that. Either. Right. And uh, so another thing that I've really uh, been blessed with, the guys that I've worked with for the most part have no AA experience at all. So I'll try and get them on their fourth step before they go to a meeting where someone talks where about being like, scared of their fourth step. step. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, yeah, I think it kind of makes them a little pre-nervous, you know, pre-deal right. pre, uh, there, but. Um, big book studies, speaker meetings, all those things. You get a lot, you get a lot of input about a four step or, you know, and of course we're just talking about the inventory, you know, and what to do to do an inventory, you know, and if the instructions are in the big book. You know, you sit down, you make a list of resentments. You talk about what they did to actually cause the resentment, how it affects you. Then you go back and you look at your part on a, on a separate page and, and then there's the fear inventory, okay? So we haven't even talked about that on this podcast, but there's a fear inventory. And it, there, there may not even be a resentment associated with said fear, you know, but there's an inventory of fear. And we go through and we list those on paper, and, and, and then we decide what to do about it because self has let us down. And maybe fear happens to be one of those things in that, you know. And fear comes up a lot in a four-step and in the fifth step, and in AA period, you know, fifth fear being uh, the evil and corroding thread that you know goes through the fabric of our life. But that's um, the inventory process is actually not as complicated as everyone seems to think it is. It's just, it's just we make it, we make yeah. it uh, in our minds, you know. So yeah, we do. And, and you know that that response relationship and going back to not a perfect inventory. That's where having a sponsor and having, you know, calling your sponsor and doing those things, that's where you build that relationship with them. You know, so when I call him, he pretty much knows what's going on. You know, now I don't talk to mine every single day. Five years in, I don't talk every day. We don't, I see him in a meeting a lot, but, but I mean, as far as checking in in the morning, I don't do that as much anymore, but we, we talk. And so when I call him with something and I'm kind of having a moment, I don't have to have this big preamble story of what's going on in my life. He's known it from the, the get-go, and that's awesome. You know, uh, whereas most people, it would be this, well, what happened was this and then this. And he don't have to – I don't have to go through all that, you know. And um, and he's also aware of my character defect, so he starts going, well, you know, this is this is what's going on here, and, and we go from there. But, um, yeah, don't do this alone. Get a sponsor. Wear them out. Right. And, you know, uh, that accountability is so important. Um, and for me, it doesn't just come uh, from my sponsor. I actually spoke to my, or we were just texting a little while ago before I got here. You know, Thursdays are typically the days that I go to the treatment center. And uh, I just texted them to make sure somebody was going to be up there because I wasn't. Well, that's one meeting I don't miss. You know, I just, that, I, I don't miss a meeting really any day of the week. But um, 
that's one that I'm absolutely for sure going to. And, you know, he's like, well, what, what's going on? Like, is everything all right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, man, I'm going to do the podcast with the guys. But uh, that is where the accountability is really important. Sure. And, you know, I would like to get a bit more involved with my home group that I have today because I know how beneficial that is uh, for my recovery. And that's something that I absolutely need to do uh, because starting out, I had a home group that I was very, very involved with. And, you know, I, I chaired meetings all the time. And uh, that's that's definitely something that I need to be doing with you guys. What is your home group? Is it half past half five? Half past five, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there's always stuff to do with half past five. Show up at the business meeting. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> I have, I have, it has been my home group the entire 12 years, half past five group, even though I was in Mandeville and did some service stuff down in the Mandeville group down there. The half past five group has always been my home group and I've always been actively involved in my home group and, you know, and then actively involved in my other home group in Mandeville. But, you know, that there's something about that particular home group. You know, you have a core of people. And, you know, there's, I, I remember one time I had been coming around every single day, I want to say for like four years. And I missed a week whenever I went off and got married. And well, I came back. And so besides that one week, I had been there every single day. And there was an a old timer in there at the time he's passed on now. But he was in there and he was talking about the core group. And he goes, yeah, there's about 13 people in here that, you know, been around. And they're, they, they're what makes this group this group, right? And he starts naming them. And, and he didn't name me. And I, I was pissed. I was thinking, well, I've been coming here every day for four years. And I am not a member. I'm not a core member. You know, but then I had to think back on the names he was naming. And some of these guys have been coming around for 25, 30 years, you know. And, um, and, you know, still going to that group now every day, just about every day. I'm with you on that, too. Go to a meeting every day. Why not? You drink every day. You drug every day. Go to a meeting every day. But uh, even looking back on it, you know, all these years into it, I probably still am not a core member of that group. But they're, uh, they're a core member of me. Sure. They're a large part of my life. And that is all that should matter it's not even about me and how important i am it's about how important they are to me and whenever i have those i have drinking dreams still all these years later i still have drinking dreams and whenever i do somebody from in there is always in there somebody they're always in that dream and i'm trying to hide it from them you know and subconsciously there's a little accountability while i'm yep. trying to sleep you know the few hours a day i get so man that having a home group having that accountability and then there's something about once you have that, you can pull somebody into the corner and say, hey, look, I need to talk to you, man. I'm having a rough day. Or, hey, let me talk to you about this. This is something I did. And, and it goes both ways. Someone's going to do the same exact thing for you. And you know what's funny? You talk about a core group, but in, but in Alcoholics Anonymous, you can have a day or 100 years and you're, you're, you're on equal footing pretty much. I mean, you show up and want to help. We, we, we go, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you want to be in there and you got a problem with drinking, come on in, you're part yeah. of the group. Nobody so, even knows how long you've been there. Like, yeah, I'm like, Hey dude, where are you from? He's like, I don't know. I just got here. I'm like, Oh, my bad. Nobody you even know? knows who makes the coffee. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can be the first day you've ever made coffee in your life and no one's going to say nothing. I'm yeah. going to tell a funny story. No, no, not funny, but, but it was sweet. And, uh, it just kind of, uh, so I was one of these people showed up at a meeting one day and, and Mike, our, our host over here, he's got a real nice car, right? He's got a nice car. And uh, I was leaving a meeting one night and it was, or it was an intergroup. That's what it was, an intergroup. And uh, some guy was on the front porch, young guy, never seen him. I don't know where he came from. Probably one of these groups that they bust him over there because it was a bunch of those guys. And he was talking out there and Mike walked out while we were all standing there and I was kind of in the group and he said hi to everybody and went and got in his car and he drove off and he drove past everybody. And that dude just said something like, well, I guess it's easy to be that way when you drive a Porsche. That's what the dude said. And I looked over at him and I said, hey, the guy that drove that Porsche, I said, do you know what he was doing earlier before you got here to eat that food? And he goes, no, and I said, he took all the trash out all the garbage he was taking it out to the dumpster when i got here and the guy just kind of looked at me and i just walked off and i was like you know what it is what it is brother but 
you know, we just learn not to, you know, humility. That that's that's it just kills me, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'll never forget that guy saying that. And so I actually have uh, something similar with Mike's car. So whenever I started uh, coming to the half past five group, <laughs> uh, I was thoroughly convinced. You thought we were going to give you a Porsche on your one year anniversary, didn't you? No, but I thought that that was the person making the money in the meeting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Hayden's all about yeah. the money, dude. <laughs> but but seriously, so There's none here. You know? Apparently, he thinks it's still a racket. Yeah. Hayden's I'm looking still out. waiting on that meeting, but. Uh, no, I, I was like, man, one of those old guys drives that car for sure, you know. And then I see Mike get in the car one day, and I was like, well, dang, I guess it's not one of the old guys. And then he says his uh, sobriety <laughs> birthday, and I'm like, dang, he had his last drink before I had my first. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's just, um, man, I don't know. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, man. And like I said, I see humility on stuff and mike's a great example of that man and all the stuff that he has going on in his whole deal service and like he never says a word about it i've heard other stuff that he don't even know i know about that he helps people with and he keeps it low-key and so yeah it kind of hit my redneck button a little bit when i heard that guy say that and i was nice but i looked at him directly and i said man you need to pay attention a little more before you you just make comments like that you know and uh um i don't know i i you know Sometimes I wonder when you see the humility and you go, you know, God blesses that kind of stuff, you know, and that's good. So, but, and somebody's uh, got to take the trash out, right? Yeah, yeah. And somebody's got to show up and open the cabinets, and and somebody's got to do stuff in. like this so that people who don't have a clear understanding of what we do maybe have a little clearer understanding. You know, we we get to pass this thing on, and we get to do that. Sure. This is an honor for me to be a member of I mean, boy, it wasn't on day one. I'm gonna tell you now, yeah. I didn't care what you drove. <laughs> Don't come talk to me, you know. And and now something snapped, you know, maybe it was during that inventory we've been talking about, or maybe it was the steps after that, but something snapped. And and to be honest with you, four and five is really where I became a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's where it went from me talking about y'all to talking about we, us. This is what we do, you know, before be like somebody would show up at an intergroup. That's a good example. Somebody would show up in an intergroup and they'd be like, what are they doing? Oh, they have this thing every week, every month. And then we, you know, they meet in the front room. And after I doing these steps, you know, or this, these two particular steps I'm talking about, people would show up and say, hey, what are they doing? Oh, we have a meeting up here in the front room. Come on. It gets a little congested, but you can get up, you know, if you want to. You don't have to stay in there. And we have a speaker, and we it becomes we, just like Ben talked about in that first step, you know. And that comes from that inventory. I, I'm no longer less than because, you know, regardless of, of the vehicle, regardless of any any status outside the rooms, I walked in that room less than everyone else in my head i was not equal i was I, I would dare make coffee because you wouldn't like it and if you didn't like the coffee i made you wouldn't let me make it again or i wouldn't even clean a table because i probably wouldn't do it right i felt like everyone was looking at me going you know he thinks this and he thinks that like they're trying to read my mind and i didn't realize everybody in there is just trying to stay sober like i was doing the day i walked in and they've got something and i need to probably get it you know, another good example, too, is when we have a birthday and we have cake in there and it's a big celebration and you watch the people that get up to serve cake and to pick up empty plates. And my sponsor, when I first came in there, he did it all the time. And he would walk by me and hand me a piece of cake and he'd go, you're supposed to be doing this. And he just keep going. And I'm like, doing what? Eating this cake? Because I'm about to eat it, you know. And then it dawned on me, oh, no, I should be. And so you watch that and it's guys that, they they take it serious and they they want to get up and serve other people just to be able to do that you know and it keeps them straight and uh after uh after i started coming more frequent and i got my sponsor cal and it'd be a birthday meeting the cal tell so, you get your ass up. no he didn't he never said a word i would just i would happen to glance at him and people would be getting up and he'd just go yeah i'd stand up and i'd go it's like because I was fully expecting if I didn't, he was going to stand up and say, get your ass up. Yeah, go he, will, he, will, he <laughs> will. Randy T., who has, has never sponsored me, right, but he did indirectly sponsor me, you know, because where we sit in our meeting is where we sat 
all those years ago. And when I would come in, and my, my sponsor was always late. He was a pharmacist for the state of Louisiana. So he, I think he might have got off at 530, and he got there at 545. He's late every day. And before, so I would show up around 510, and me and Randy T would just talk every day. So Randy has always been an indirect sponsor, but he's never gave me a bad suggestion. And, I mean, I remember him, like, meeting would be over, and we'd drop hands, and he'd say, that guy right there, go talk to him. Go go talk to him. I'm like, man, what, what do I have to offer? You know, I don't, have, I don't have anything to offer this guy, but just go talk to him. He needs somebody to talk to him. And the fact you don't have anything to offer might be what he's looking for in somebody. Instead of trying to gang save him or whatever it is, just he might need someone just to talk to. Go tell him. Tell him you've been sober a week. Tell him you've been sober a month. Tell him you've been sober six months. A lot months. of times that carries a lot more weight with a new person than – I've been sober a decade, and they go, I don't know this dude. I can't. I did. I did. You know. Um, it's hard for me to relate to someone who's been sober a decade. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I always feel like I'm getting a 30-day chip tomorrow. Like, yeah. every day I wake yeah. up, I'm like, I might get it today, you know. I don't know. But uh, So, a couple of things that uh, Mike was talking about. Man, whenever I got in the program, I was 25 years old, and uh, I just fell off around a bunch of people that uh, were just a bit older than me. I, I may have shared this in the last podcast, but uh, the moment that I felt a part of, um, you know, I was so fearful about taking that inventory and sharing it with uh, a man that I'd actually grown to respect uh, after seeing that he actually does this program. There's nothing in it for him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's really doing what they're talking about. Uh, but the moment I was done sharing everything in my fifth step, he was like, man, me too. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that was so that was so important for me. He was like, nothing you just said was okay, but it's going to be, and you know that was so big for me. And then um, something else that uh, Mike was talking about. One thing that I tell my guys straight out the gate is, we need you. Mm. You know, oh, we yeah. need you in the program Boy, for Alcoholics Anonymous because you never know who you're going to be able to reach. There was uh, there was this guy that he's close to my age and. Uh, if you've heard my story, I, I lost a friend right before I got sober and, uh, he had a very similar thing happen and he was sitting there talking to a couple of the guys that I, I was close with, uh, back in West Monroe and they called me and they said, Hey, you need to talk to this guy. And that's what it's all about. It's like, man, you just never know who you're going to be able to reach. I never imagined that the things in my past would be uh, such great gifts for me to share with other men. And that's the case for everybody in this program. You never know who is going to relate to you just right and receive what you have to offer just right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, it's amazing. Yep. I can picture, uh, I can picture being, not being, I'm sorry. I can picture Matt and Bobby and uh, Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt telling Bobby, man, I really don't catch as many fish as I say. <laughs> Bobby says, "Me too." <laughs> he's never he's never said that, and he never will. Okay, and my sponsor, I love him to death, but you know, I mean, I've admitted this publicly on this recording. He he wears me out pretty good, but he does have built-in advantages too, and he knows that. I've got some issues with fishing. Well, I mean, does he have a fish call or something? No, I mean, Aquaman. He's just, uh, you know, he's got some advantages. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to put him on blast, but he knows what they are. He's electrocuting these fish. Mm, he's, uh, you know, I don't know. He he needs to work on it a little more. Though. Is, it, I think is it all that Don no. Wands he eats before he well, goes out Well, he says that's his sponsor. <laughs> his uh, his fishing sponsor is, uh, you know, sponsors his bass fishing. But uh, Well, um, you know, that that's a good point. If you have a fishing sponsor, it's kind of like having a guide. They can take you where the information is. They can take you where the fish are. If you have a sponsor, they can take you where the steps are and help you get through them so that you can find recovery instead of just sobriety. And, you know, of course, it may work a little different fishing because. Hey, I, I'll tell you all this, and I, I know I pick on Bobby a lot, and I love him to death. Like, literally, like, he's a, he's, a, he's like a dad to me. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and I do. He always like, you're so snide about stuff. I'm like, I'm just picking on you, man. But the last year i've had two things with him one he told me something and asked me to keep a secret that it's out there now so it's okay but it was top top secret and we got to share a moment on something that was big news for him and i had to hold on to that for a long time and it was killing me because i was excited for him and 
it was a big life moment. And he chose to tell me that before everybody knew. And I was just, we were fishing that day and he's like, I'm just going to tell you this. And he told me, and I was just like, Oh yeah. You know And He's like, you can't say nothing, you know? And I'm like, Oh, you know, but, <laughs> and then, and then we had a situation come up and he actually asked me, what would I do? And I was like, huh? Like <laughs> you don't ever ask me anything about the way I do stuff. And I sat and thought about it. And I was like, I had the exact same situation. The shoes were on the opposite foot. And I told him, I repeated back to him what he told me to do. And he sat there real quiet and he goes, I was just seeing, I'm finally starting to rub off on you after five years. And I was like, yeah, you well, know, you know, whenever you've been someone's temporary sponsor for five years, I'm, I will probably at my funeral, he'll say he's still temporary, you know, <laughs> but that's all right. Whatever he calls it, I'll take it. So, well, guys, it's about time to wrap this up. Uh, you know, Chris, Chris uh, C down at the club, he said, I didn't use these buttons enough. So that's his applause right there for bringing a suggestion to the table. And we got Amy talking about um, spiritual growth and remaining spiritually growing in order to uh, have recovery. We have uh, Jane saying, just do the fourth step, right? Just do the fourth step. And um, or do that inventory anyway. Next time we're going to dive off into the four step and and the columns and the different inventories that we do, and we're going to discuss everything except for details because, of course, a lot of the stuff is is personal. G and B Bozier at gmail dot com is our email address, and we would love to hear from anyone who can send us an email and would. Uh, love to give feedback on the air if you will if you'll let us and uh the telephone number that you can leave a voicemail at is area code 985-377-4816 that phone will not be answered it's strictly a voicemail i can hook that phone to my recording device and play your 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 voicemail on the air and we can all discuss it you know we're not going to talk about it or make fun of it in any way but i would love to have that uh have somebody call and leave a voicemail. Um, I was telling the guys earlier before the meeting, we are now in five countries. We um, are being listened to by people in five different countries, and one of which just recently is uh, Taiwan. We have the United Kingdom, we have Australia, we have Denmark, and we have the United States. So that is pretty cool. That's pretty cool to have that. Our total listens... Um, we are up to 1,189 listens total. And that number grows by about 100, 150 a week. And and that, those are the audience out there that we really do appreciate. Please share the podcast with anyone you can. Um, guys, I appreciate you being on the show. Matt's got One something. thing I do want to add with all that announcement stuff. So we talk about the Koala Club a lot on here. Our area has great groups all over this whole North Louisiana area. If some of y'all are listening from other groups, you want to come on here, get in contact with us. We, we would love to have anybody that's recovery related that wants to come on and talk or do whatever, man, please contact us. So thank you. I like that. And, and, um, had a little technical difficulty during the meeting. I don't know if it, or during this podcast, I don't know if anybody noticed it, but I'll get that lined out and fixed up. Probably will not edit it out because I'm in a hurry to get this thing on, on to Spotify. So, from Bozier City, Louisiana, this is the Grouch and the Brainstorm. Yeah.